0: Good afternoon, and welcome to the Fontenelle Final Bell here on the Rural Radio Network. I'm Susan Littlefield. A lot of things to look at as we do on a Wednesday, A kind of a broad scope of what's been happening in, the, in these grain markets. And we know China's been back in, but how is their appetite, and how is their appetite going to be continuing forward? We know Pro Farmer Crop Tour has been going on. Numbers not looking so bad as they left Nebraska as they headed over to Iowa. Now we're starting to see some concerns, or really are we, We're going to find out all the details and more as we talk today with Arlen Suderman. He is with Stonex. So let's start out with the spreads that have been happening. We see some support going on for the wheat, but not so much for the corn today.
1: Yeah, and we've been seeing a lot of intermarket spreading and stuff. It seems like, you know, we used to always see corn and wheat moving together, but it seems like over the last month, Uh, we've seen a lot of days where they went opposite directions. Uh, with the corn market, it's, you know, big crop, maybe not as big as we thought. Um, questions about how much might China buy? Uh, and so the, the market's kind of marking time. It's, it's got too much bearish news to really sustain a rally, but there's too much thought of possibilities. What if China comes in to empty our cupboards to really want to go short and, uh, so it's doing a lot of chopping around lately. Soybeans overall trending higher with the with the stronger demand we're getting out of China. Um, but uh, I think late in the day, some of the big yield estimates, well, not yield estimates, but pod counts, I should say, to be more accurate, uh, coming out of the tour really took the steam out of the market.
0: So you talk about that in China coming in, and I asked you this before we, we started this recorded conversation is, what are the chances they empty our cupboards? And I use the word empty obviously loosely, but is that looming over the markets?
1: It, it is a factor um, because we've seen the aggressiveness with which China bought Brazil's soybeans up and really left them with not enough for their domestic users to get through the rest of the year until their harvest in January and February. And. Um, they're very aggressively buying U.S. soybeans now, that, unlike anything we've seen in many, many years. Um, and so it, the question is, is that simply front-loading the purchases, um, and but yet they're only going to buy enough to get them to the Brazilian harvest? Because we anticipate with Brazil's cheap currency that Brazilian supplies, once they're available, are going to be cheaper than U.S. supplies once again. Or is this a product of China's fear that paranoia, as we talked about before, that our ports and Brazil's ports are eventually going to get shut down because of coronavirus and that they're actually going to build reserves. Right now, I would put uh, maybe 40-60 for China, 40% chance that that they are going to buy significantly more than what they need because of that paranoia, 60% chance that they're just going to buy what they need to to bridge the gap on corn will they come in enough to empty our coverage with the big supply we have and with their reluctance to really be dependent upon us for importing corn i would put it at more twenty five seventy five i i do think that they're obviously going to buy more corn than what we've seen in many years uh... but whether it's really going to be enough to dramatically change the balance sheet i'm still somewhat of a skeptic but there's enough risk that we have to respect it
0: so how much nervousness can we expect as well as they rebuild their livestock industry? And I think you and I have talked about them in this past, the hogs, I mean, they're looking at how we raise hogs here in the U.S., which means they're going to need more feed.
1: Yeah, they really are commercializing and uh, their profit margins are so high, 350 to $370 per head right now. And in China, that's like hitting the jackpot. So there's so much profitability and demand for piglets is High. And so with their limited number, piglet prices continue to set new record high levels. Just unbelievable what they pay for them. It still have the big profit margins because pork prices are just below last October's record highs. Uh, so there's a lot of incentive, but yet the disease is still there. And so they want to get those hogs, get them bought get them on feed, get them ready for market as quickly as possible because of the risk of African swine fever. That means a higher inclusion rate of protein, so the soy meal demand is there. And with the high pork prices, that's a lot of demand for poultry. So they've expanded poultry much faster than what we thought that they could, and uh, that consumes a lot of soy mill as well. So. Soybean demand has kind of beat our expectations and uh, and allowed them to really expand their imports faster than what we thought they could but then again, they are leaning on on Brazilian supplies and us as the residual so far. So uh, that export target USDA had last winter back in February, I I just didn't see it. I was almost 200 million bushels lower below USDA and I kept my target and USDA came down to it. Uh, Now we're ready for the new marketing year with new questions about how much will they import.
0: Now you talk of big supplies and we're going to have to hit on the crop tour on the second half here, but big supplies talked about here in the U.S. How does that set the basis right now in the country?
1: Uh, basis is held bigger, better than what you'd expect with supplies we have and to a great extent that's been for all the crops and that's largely because farmers have been reluctant sellers because the government has been so- sending them checks to help them hold out longer for the possibility of higher prices as we get into the new marketing year we get past an election the government has less incentive to provide those checks to the farmers uh, and if the supplies are as big as what we think they might be um, we might see a different story there and a weakening of basis but so far they've been holding up relatively well even on the new crop side
0: Lots of good things to think about. When we come back, folks, we are going to talk about that Pro Farmer Crop Tour as it moved from South Dakota into Nebraska. Now we see and on day three them heading into Iowa and they'll be coming in from the east side as well. So looking at those numbers, we're going to find out, is there as much of a panic worry as initially thought? We'll also look at what's been happening on the livestock side of our trade action today. As we do know, we have a cattle on feed report that comes out on Friday. Stick around, it's lot more coming up it is the Fontanel final bell on the rural radio network Home. welcome back to the Fontanel final bell here on the rural radio network i'm susan littlefield as we continue our conversation with arlen suderman with stonex so we do know the the pro farmer midwest crop tour has been underway this week and as they went south of the Platte River in Nebraska, they said things started to look a little bit better. Then they moved focus and uh, moved into Iowa. And we know, I think this was kind of an anticipation, Arlen, because we knew the crop damage was there. We just didn't know how bad. But now it sounds like it might not be as bad as we thought.
1: Yeah, and, and it really comes down to harvestability and uh what it's gonna be like to try to harvest and which fields get harvested and which do not and how the insurance treats that and what farmers are willing to do with these corn prices in the way of putting their expensive equipment at risk. So that's where their big unknowns come and I think that's probably the biggest variable really in determining final losses from this deratio. Um but uh the tour, again, will get into the really the worst of the deratio damage tomorrow, but they're starting to get into it today, and they're seeing the effects of it. Um, and, and one of the keys that I'm particularly going to be interested in tomorrow is the portion that's broke off versus bent. Um, versus just leaning, that has a big impact on how the grain fills and what the harvestability will be. Um, I think the other thing that stood out to me today is we knew that it was really dry in west central and northwest Iowa, um, but groups going through southwest Iowa really found a lot of drought impacts as well. And that was one of the regions that we were really hoping would help offset some of the duration losses further to the north and uh, they may not be able to do that. So the bottom line is we're seeing over nationwide now, we're seeing that this is going to be a good crop, but not the super crop that it had the potential to have maybe a month ago. Um, because we've had August turn dry on us to impact uh, the fill and we've had the duration take some off as well. And so while it'll be a good crop. Not near the the record buster that uh, we once thought, and um, maybe we've seen the most bearish numbers already and factored them into the market from a supply side.
0: Jump over to the livestock side. I'm sure they're closely watching this pro farmer tour as well because that's going to kind of set the stage for for their feed costs going into next year.
1: Yeah, you know, and we've seen the feeder cattle market be a little bit more responsive to the corn markets here of late. Um and um there was quite a bit of optimism in the cattle complex if uh as we went into last week. We come into uh this week and we saw a day or two where corn prices spiked and and uh the uh it kind of sobered them up a little bit. Um there's profitability as long as feed costs stay in line. And that's gonna come down to largely the two factors we've talked about already, how big is the crop and how much does China buy. Um, the c- cattleman is fairly comfortable right now because of the predicted big surplus that even if that tightens up, uh, we're still not going to be in any type of shortage. Um, but he's also seen that uh, prices can still rally and get a little volatility in them.
0: Well, we've seen some impressive cash cattle trade this week, even with a cattle on feed report that comes out on Friday.
1: Uh, we have and uh, up to 107 in in the southern plains, up to 108 in the north, and that's a little bit more than I think we're anticipated. Although we were looking for firmer prices, product prices have held up well. You mentioned that Catalan feed report. Uh, generally, expectations are for uh, placements to be about seven tenths of a percent above year ago levels, uh, marketing to be about four tenths below year ago levels. Placements overall about 5.9 percent above year ago levels, but there's fairly good size range on the, the estimates for placements. So it tells me there's there's some uncertainty there uh, in the possibility we could see some surprises.
0: What about the pork products? Are we seeing a bit of stalling out there?
1: Yeah, we have. Um, we'd had a nice recovery in the product market and then in the cash market. Therefore, in the cash index, and now it's stalling out a little bit. And we're kind of finding that level where, um, you know, with all the supplies coming in, we're balancing supply and demand. So even though uh, we were generally trying to trade higher today in the uh, in the pork complex and the lean hogs and, and finish the day fairly well, um, there's a sense that we've got to be careful and not get too far ahead of ourselves as the hog market is often known for doing.
0: And are we going to see any, any concerns when it comes to kind of the cold storage cleanup that's going on?
1: Yeah, we've still got to maintain that. And uh, we've quietly become the the primary supplier of pork to China, but they're running into port congestion now with all of the tests that they're requiring for coronavirus at the ports. So that's the one thing that could really slow things down with domestic demand still being hampered by the coronavirus restrictions here in the states.
0: Sounds good, Arlen. Best way for folks to get a hold of you?
1: StoneX.com or on twitter at ArlenFF101. 101
0: all right just a reminder commodity futures and options involve substantial risk of loss and so they're not suitable for all investors that's the wednesday fontanelle final bell being brought to you by Fontenelle hybrids and all your local fontanelle dealers pick this up as a podcast at ruralradio.com wherever you subscribe and on spotify as well it's the Fontenelle final bell on the rural radio network